0: You'll find anywhere. All right, guys. How are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Great. Yeah, i would be Good. doing a little better if
2: uh, we were shooting a little better, but. You know. it's, well, it's, it's to... Colin, is Colin Castleton, like forty. Like, when does he go <laughs> graduate? right.
0: He's just... <laughs> he just
2: he, he took that never graduate mantra thing a little too seriously. You know? Like, I think get out of here.
0: Um guys, this this is looking like a, this is looking like a two to three gummy night uh for Auburn basketball. Uh how how are we feeling, man, watching the first half? Auburn is trailing at the half, 23-26. Thoughts so far? I mean, it seems like some of the same bugaboos that have been plaguing us up to this point are continuing to rear his ugly head. Not we're not shooting well and return the ball over. That pretty much seems to be the story of the game.
2: Yeah, my doctor told me keep your stress low. And I looked back at him. I said, I'm going to have to give up some stuff. Uh, <laughs> some, some, some really important stuff. Uh, watching Auburn basketball might be one of them. Uh, I, I want to pose a, a different question, uh, Caesar, about whether it's time to lower expectations for the team, mm. right, in terms of, you know, what their potential is. And, you know, maybe they go on a magical run, but right now outside shooting is not where it needs to be. Um, you know, we seem to be missing a lot of things right at the rim. Uh, you know, there are some things that you – Need to execute down low that we're just not doing. I, don't, I don't know. Like it's, it looks, it still looks a little sloppy. Bruce Pearl admitted to as much in a recent presser uh, that this team is not where he would like it to be at this point. Yeah. Um, so and that's showing up. It shows up against every opponent, no matter yeah. how good or bad it feels like.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So it's just us, and that's what lets me know it's really us. It's not what one particular team can right. do because they're good defensively. We're doing it against anybody and everybody, even in teams. Uh, again, in games where we ended up winning handily first half we're usually giving up a little too much so it's it's a problem at this point I I don't think there's any rescue for it outside of the new guys who are talented learning and Mm -hmm. figuring it out quickly I don't think it's going to be an old guy that turns into something they're not I mean two or three years at this point you you are what you are it's got to be some new pieces learning how to do things at the college level and then having that light click on for them that's all I can think it's going to be.
0: Yeah, and I think outside of Wendell Green, Trey Donald, Trey Donaldson is, has asserted himself uh, as a contributor in terms of just bringing up the ball, uh, basically moving the ball around. But it just seems like our wing players have been very frustrating um, as it pertains to Flanagan, even K. I mean, KD. It just it just looks kind of we just look lost. In, in terms of our wing play uh, mm-hmm. We're already not shooting the ball well But we're not able to drive Without turning the ball over it seems Facts yeah. So Yeah uh, Again is This this is a tournament team I mean I think we're a tournament team But it's, it's I think yeah. temper your expectations about uh, How far we go in the right. tournament Right But are
2: you going to get past the second round You right. know with this squad You know when You know guys When te- other teams are playing their best basketball uh, I think it happened to us last year they ran into an experienced Miami team uh, that just played better and more gelled as a unit than we did. Even though Auburn probably had the superior talent in that, in that game. I mean, look at the guys that we had on a team that are doing it at the NBA level now, right now, as we speak, Walker yes. Kessler is a wrecking ball right now. At the NBA, the Jabari Smith looks every bit of the third round pick that he was. And so, and they couldn't get and they couldn't get past Miami. So, it's just just time to start adjusting expectations, I think, for these guys. I still think they have a run in them. But, you know, this is where this is why you paid Bruce Pearl $50 million, right? Right. You're trying to figure out like, you know, hey, what's the next step for this team? And can Bruce Pearl find that thing that's going to motivate them uh, to get to the next level?
0: Uh, guys, let's talk about, let, let's let's switch gears because people are really want to move uh, forward and talk about football. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of positive momentum with Auburn football over the past few weeks. And we're here to talk about Hugh Freeze's staff. He completed his staff, guys. And uh, let's take a look at everyone. We've kind of talked about guys as they've kind of trickled on in. But I wanted to take a, a moment to actually kind of review and take a look at everyone who he's brought on up to this point. Be will your thoughts on your thoughts on this staff as currently assembled? Uh, I got to categorize by offense. Of course, we know who the head coach is, but Philip Montgomery is the offensive coordinator, QB coach. Caddy is the running backs coach and, of course, associate head coach. Uh, Marcus Davis, who was announced uh, yesterday or two days ago, actually, uh, is the wide receivers coach. Uh, Ben Igamawa, that's how I usually take a stab at that. He's coaching tight ends. Jake Thornton is the offensive line coach. Ron Roberts is the defensive coordinator. Jeremy Garrett, defensive line coach. Josh Aldrich, who was... Uh, announced not too long ago was the linebacker. Is the linebackers coach Zach is retained at DBs, and joining him back there is Wesley McGriff, who returns to Auburn. Uh, we do have some off the field uh, guys to make note of. Tanner Burns, who's not on the field, but was the special teams coordinator for Liberty uh, under Hugh Freeze, and has been a special teams coordinator at a few other stops. Will be in that role off the field. Uh Dominic Stadzinski is your strength and conditioning coach. So, this is the inaugural staff. Of course, we had just been hearing rumors of all types of guys for different positions, but Hugh Freeze has finally settled on the on, on his staff. Mike G, you and Ike talked about Marcus Davis. Uh, you gave your thoughts, but Be Will, I want to hear from you. Your thoughts on the latest addition to Hugh Freeze's staff and Marcus Davis. Well,
1: um, similar to conversations we've had before about coaches that we didn't know anything about or were not extremely high on, their reputation is not indicative of what their ability is. Um, and I say this very frequently, but when the coaching job was wide open, Auburn's head coaching job, and people started throwing names out there, everybody's want somebody who's won something big or won a national championship or been on the staff or won a national championship. And I'm thinking, all right, well, that's not going to happen. So um, what you're going to have is you're going to bring somebody in. You're going to examine what they have done, try to extrapolate it from where they're at forward to where we are, which is, Again, I've said this on a previous broadcast. I think Auburn sits traditionally top third of the SEC. So if we give them top third of the SEC, money, resources, facilities, and all that stuff, does that, does that math from where they're at times our stuff equal national championship team? And I think there's always room for everybody to grow and improve. If you haven't done it before, why wouldn't you be able to keep improving? every time you get another opportunity. Um, we, we talk about how much Hugh Freeze wanted this opportunity mm-hmm. to get back in the SEC and that he could be a better coach. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, I feel like Marcus Davis at wide receiver was not a name that anybody saw coming. It was not a name that anybody really had on their board. We heard uh, Grant heard Hur- at UCF. Um, we heard uh, potentially Cody Burns at one point. We heard quite a few names and Marcus Davis feels like a comfortable hire. I have no idea if he's the best wide receiver coach that was available. And I feel like, feel like based off nothing but the one here, he was here, that Ike Hilliard um, would have been just as deserving an opportunity, not guaranteed a job, but deserving an opportunity means, meaning he interviews for it as Marcus Davis. Now that doesn't mean I have anything against Marcus Davis, I know that he is an Auburn guy. Obviously he was here um, for the two thir- 2013 season. There is value in having an Auburn guy. So we just had an Auburn guy take over as the head of the program for a, a third of the season. And it was the best possible result considering how the season had gone to that point. But there is something, I think something to be said for is being an Auburn guy, does that autom- automatically make you the best fit? And it doesn't make you a bad fit, but does it make you the best fit? Um, I wonder now, with that being the hire, you got rid of Ike Hilliard immediately. Again, it wasn't like Zach and Christian Robinson where they're going to be maybe in the mix for a job here. It was, no, you're out of here.
2: Yeah, he wasn't given an opportunity to interview.
1: Right. Yeah, right, immediately. So he was out the door day one when Hugh Freeze got in here. And so somebody with... Whether or not he was a great recruiter, I think that was, you can't evaluate that. He wouldn't even hear a full year. So, right. That's fair. yeah, if you if you don't get the chance to close a recruiting cycle at right. least two years where you have to build relationships and get on top of guys early, then I'm not going to evaluate your recruiting ability yet. So in that sense, I know he, we had three guys committed to us over the course of, of his tenure here, and I liked all the guys, and a couple decommitted. The, it wasn't just because, oh, I hate you now. It was, there are reasons, you know, guys don't like that they're not the number one, uh, that you're still going after other guys at their position, or, you know, that kind of happens, but we were in the mix and got commitments from three guys who ended up going to, I think, Michigan, Colorado. Carmelo and, and Carmelo English. Right, and and then Story, who committed here. Listen, that was, we don't know if they're going to be the best college Uh, players ever but I think that was the most impressive run of commitments at the wide receiver position that we've seen since some of the guys we were getting early when Damian Craig was here like that's the the last time we had comparable commitments coming from the wide receiver position so I think it's fair to say man Ike Hillier had a lot of guys interested he had a lot of guys interested and the people who were here loved him right and before Hugh Freeze was hired I started to make this case and then Hugh Freeze got hired like really quick. People love caddy here. And that was one of the reasons I was like, I don't know. You could do worse than a guy that everybody who is here wants to play for. That's not the worst thing in the world. So there is something to be said for Marcus Davis's youth, for his passion, for the place where he will be coaching. Those things are important because you have to sell, man. The younger you are, the closer you are to their age, the... Most likely, the better you are able to connect to those players. And Marcus Davis has that going for him as well. I don't know if he's the best guy for the job. I know he's not the most qualified guy for the job, but that doesn't mean he can't be great at it. So TBD, like if you were to say, hey, great. it I don't know. I have no idea if Marcus Davis right. is a great wide receiver coach or not. It's limited by what the system was running was where you were at, what type of recruits you had, what what type of access did you have to recruits? You were at Georgia,
0: uh, Georgia Southern? Georgia Southern. Yeah, I, I don't know what Clay Helton He was at. He was at was Miami. In? I mean, I Miami, mean, but Hawaii the year prior.
1: Right. See, I mean, Hawaii's not the hotbed. What were you going to show at Hawaii with the problems that they've had as a program over the last three years, to say, oh, man, he's definitely the guy. The same with Georgia Southern. I mean, they, their coach got fired. That's why Clay Helton was brand new there. So I don't know what he could have shown in his two stops prior to say, oh, he's definitely that guy. He hasn't shown that yet. He may not have had the opportunity. Now he has that opportunity. We will see what he can do. But my my gut feeling is this was not the first pick, and Mike and Ike both said that on the morning drop this morning, and I agree. I don't think this was who Hugh Freeze had in mind when he told I kill you. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good. You can go ahead and go
2: because I got somebody.
0: Yeah, something fell through. Something, well, listen, something
2: okay. definitely fell through.
0: Well, listen, at this point, is it fair to say because this is the last spot you filled out on your staff that whoever you hired was not your first choice at this point? Yeah, for sure. Right. I think
2: I think the, the, the length of time <laughs> yeah. that it took you to fill the position yeah. certainly uh, plays into it. Um, You know, and I don't want to be repetitive because we talked about it on The Morning Drop. If you haven't watched that, I highly encourage you to go back and watch that segment. It's a quick hitter where we talk about this hire. Uh, but ultimately, just kind of reinforcing what B said, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be good at the job. Right, right. Right. But, you know, somebody who has interviewed people and one had an impressive resume and one gave an impressive interview. hmm it's tough. Right. So he may have sat down in front of Hugh Freeze and just did, had a really impressive interview. He saw the potential in him the same way coaches see potential in players that others right. have overlooked. Right. So being the most experienced doesn't always mean you'll be the best for the job. Right. Uh, you know, uh, the, the the best example I can give uh, and be help me out here. Who is the coach? Is it the Lions that the coach that they promoted? That they, they everybody made a big stink about this guy getting this promotion, about how he was underqualified, and there were better candidates. Some of the Colts. Was it the Colts or the or the Lions? Wait, no, it was, definitely the, Lions. It was definitely the Lions. It was definitely It was definitely the Lions. Okay. Uh, and chat, help me out here. Uh, oh, what is the guy's name? Matt something. It's about Matt, Matt? Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. Uh, Matt Cam- Dan Campbell is the coach right now, the head coach. Right, like he. Would, I mean, everybody all over ESPN, Fox, they were talking about. Oh, it's so unfair. You know, this guy is, you know, there are more qualified candidates. This is nepotism. It's favoritism. It's, you know, it's the worst thing that's ever happened since World War II. And then what does he do? What does he do as a coach? He goes on an epic run, Dan Campbell. He goes on an epic run with the Lions and has them in playoff contention after they started like one and six or something. And he had a rough year last year. I don't know if that's the. I don't know if that's the guy Dan Campbell. He
1: he has done a great job with them because they were really bad last year. He was the head coach last year, right? And they were yeah. really bad,
2: right? But, but, but the yeah. point is, everybody poo pooed the hire, right? The promotion, and then right. this guy comes in and does an amazing job, brings his team back, like they're exciting to watch. And you're thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, all his detractors suddenly went silent. All the people, all the people who were. Protesting this promotion went silent. I haven't heard anything from them since. So I don't think it's fair to write off a guy just because he may not be the most experienced. And you know, as management, that is part of the job: is right. making sure you get the right guy. And, and that doesn't always mean making the obvious choice. Sometimes the right guy isn't experienced, but he's the right guy for you. So if Marcus Davis is the right guy for Auburn, that's Hugh Freeze's. That's why we're paying him six million dollars a year, right? To figure that out. Yeah. Right. So I don't. I and that's not me saying I think Marcus Davis is a slam dunk
0: hire. Right. I like well, right. kill Hilliard. Well, you know, if you're if you're Dave Bartu service and a few anal, analytic analytical, I think it's Matrix analytical. They're saying it's a, it's a slam dunk. Uh, I think they were saying he rated as like a fi- I didn't even know this was a thing, guys. Uh, that coaches are being rated as like five-star, like diamond in the rough. Like <laughs> They're I, I rating I feel, coaches now? That's crazy. I thought like, I'm like, okay, I get it. He may be an up-and-comer. Y'all throwing a lot of sauce on this. But uh, I, 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 I am excited to see what this kid can do for sure. Uh, he's the youngest guy on the staff. So obviously uh, he has a high ceiling, and I'm, I'm curious to see. Again, he, Hugh Freeze had him on the offensive side. Right. That's something right. To, to keep in mind. And yeah. so this guy has done a great job at finding talent and finding guys who have high ceilings uh, as a coach, as coaches. Let's talk about the staff again as as we show it here. One of the things that stands out to me, guys, outside of a Wesley McGriff, um, I can't speak for the other assistants, but the guys who are the most experienced, the more the more seasoned are the guys who are going to be calling plays on Saturday?
2: Mm, yeah, uh,
0: that says a lot about Freeze's mentality as it pertains to uh, mixing up uh, senior staffers, a lot of experienced guys with new up-and-comers, and I think I think it says a lot about who he wants on the road recruiting for Auburn, as opposed to when it comes to X's and O's. He wants people who's been about that life for years, right? But your thoughts on how Hugh Freeze went about mixing up this staff?
2: Uh, you know what? Listen, we said it on the morning drop again. I think, to me, recruiting is a young man's game. Now, you got some old heads who are doing it at a high level, but, you know, yeah. all the hours on the road, the plane flights, you know, uh, uh, the sleeping in hotels and, you know, the three-hour, four-hour drives to see a kid play for an hour— it's the young man's game
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's a young man's game one hundred percent, and at the end of the day, um, hiring guys like Marcus Davis and having guys like Cadillac who have the vigor and the energy to get out on the road and do the job uh, is important right? Mix that in with some experienced staff who can close right? You know mm-hmm. you send these guys out to uh, evaluate and identify, and then you send in your closers, your old heads, the guys who are going to be the leaders you know on the staff. Uh, and I think it's a good mix. I think it was a smart way of going about putting about this staff uh, and we'll see. We'll see ultimately if it pays dividends. So we'll see how it works out. Me? Yeah
1: I'm I don't mind the, that dynamic that they have going, which is the guys who are over the the offensive coordinator. He is an older seasoned offensive coordinator. exes and nose guy quarterback guy. He's going to be teaching fundamentals and teaching skills, and that's what you want. Uh, the same thing with the defense defensive coordinator. He is a run-stopper guy. He is traditionally uh, keyed on linebackers, and what you have is you have technicians directing things, but you have youth and enthusiasm really carrying it through and helping install things, getting it from the minds of those old wise guys to to the hands and the legs and making sure that the, your, your young players are um, enabled to go and carry out a game plan. That's the young guy's responsibility. I think that's a very sound strategy for building a staff because what you should be doing is taking these young, enthusiastic guys and now they should be learning just like the players are offensive principles and concepts. You should be making those coaches better by the things you're about to do with the offense. So if Marcus Davis isn't Um, the most experienced wide receiver coach. He should be a better wide receiver coach after a couple years of running this system and explaining and teaching this system. And it should be a way to continue to develop his skills as a coach. It's like uh, players develop on the field. So I like it. I, I don't know if, similar to what we say about offensive coaches, and I'm thinking this more because of how things went here with Gus, but I think it has more to do with the offensive coordinator and the game design and all that stuff. Because honestly, I think we have to. I have to start cutting Cody Burns some slack because I think it was Gus's system was the reason the wide receivers did poorly here.
2: Mm. And, and and
1: after Ricardo did Lewis they, said it out they,
2: loud, did they win, did they win today? No, they got beat thirty to thirteen. Okay, now how did with, the with their
1: start? Do? They had their starting quarterback and quite a few of their stars, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I like, I like doing that, so thank you. Thank you for bringing that up, Mike. <laughs> um, but so I think the offensive system really is going to kind of do the the work for the wide receivers. Um, the running backs, is kind of like you got or you don't. You're that dude or you're not, so that's fine. But the wide receivers specifically, their production is going to be dictated by what you have in the game plan, what you have uh, at the quarterback position, which is another reason we've been struggling to pass the ball here. We didn't have a, we were built to run the ball under Gus, but he was trying to throw it. And it's like, hey, man, it's not really working. This, right. this is not what we are built to do. And finally, what happens is Harson tried it for a little bit, and then Caddy comes in and says, no, we're going to do this. Yeah. And we get productive. What do you know? How about that? So Hugh Freeze is going to have to rebuild this team top to bottom to make everything look good passing the ball. He seems to have done that. We already got a big plus in offensive linemen right now. We got a couple offensive linemen that are already in the stash, and so we're going to see what they can do. So whether or not um, this staff is going to be good, I think it mostly comes down to how well are they going to evaluate talent for their system and bring it in. And if they can do that well, I think everybody ends up looking good. Everybody. And that's right. the best-case scenario for us.
2: Yeah, I agree, B, with, about system. right? At the end of the day, the system made the players look worse than they were yeah. last mm-hmm. year. right? Yeah. And that made the line look worse than it was. We, uh, we were operating under the assumption that the line couldn't run block at all yeah. last year. And they right. completely right. dispelled that notion over the last four games of the season and, and, and in tune to running up the most yards of any team on the ground during the Nick Saban era on Alabama. Right, so don't tell me they can't run block. That was that was system issues. People were like, "You guys don't have the line." I was like, "Eh, like our line is not great." That's not me saying we had the best line ever, but I right. felt like most of their issue were uh, the system that we were running, and it wasn't good. It made them look terrible. So, you know, if Hugh Freeze can fix that, receivers to beast point should look better. Tight ends should look better, and it should open up some more holes for the running backs as well, too, to get more yards on less carries, and the offense should look more fluid. Now, he's on the clock. He put himself on the clock. <laughs> he came out, Caesar, saying, "I turn programs around quickly. I turn quarterbacks around quickly." So, he's on the, so so fans are going to be looking not for next season, they're going to be looking at the spring to see, you know, what does this look like? Does this look like we've turned it around, you know, um and he better get the fro zone popping pretty quickly <laughs> if you ask me in spring. <laughs> In the spring. You determined need to, make freeze to make that the work, huh? you Yeah, You determined to yeah, determine make that frozen Frozone, work. Frozone is
0: not going away. I don't know why you don't like freeze warning, man. But let, let me let me <laughs> ask you this. Let me ask you this. CM <laughs> Pat asks, uh, I wonder what the leash is on play calling if Monty is making bad decisions. Now, this is a first for you, Freeze, in terms of turning over play calling responsibilities to an offensive coordinator. Right, right. That now, was handled by him. So, thoughts on this? I feel hoodwinked bamboozled. I feel I feel misled. Hey.
2: Right? So, again, this is a question that I asked specifically about play calling. Uh, it has been a hot topic around uh, our program about who is going to call plays during the season. Now, he said I've called plays my whole career, but he made it seem like I'm probably going to call plays, but there are some guys who are going to have some input on, you know, how we call those plays, because I feel like my strength is here, and there's some guys out there who could really help us in some other areas. I felt like he was leaning toward calling plays with the input of and now he's it seems like he's going, it seems like he's definitively said this other guy is gonna call plays. Yeah, he has. Right. And I'm thinking, ooh. Okay. He, he, I, so I I have a theory on that. Okay.
1: Okay. Here. So I think um Former North Carolina offensive coordinator, the current Wisconsin offensive coordinator, Phil Luongo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ike uh, theorized based on what that remark that Hugh said, which is which was there are some guys out there who that maybe we could help them. I can help them with their red zone, and they could help us help right. me with everything else. That was the best offense in the nation that had a subpar red zone performance was okay. North Carolina's. He already knew Phil Luongo. He had worked with Phil Luongo before. I bet he had in his mind, uh-huh. Phil Luongo's my guy. I'm going to go get him. And he already knew that with where he is in his career, Phil Luongo, that is, he was going to call the plays as Phil Luongo helped design the offense. He, mm. would, I think he had hired him in his head and knew that he would call the plays if Phil, that Hugh Freeze would call the plays if Phil Luongo was the O.C., but it didn't work out like that. So now you got a different guy, somebody who's more experienced, who's more seasoned, who's a better quarterback coach. And now you can give him a little more than you could give a Phil Luongo. I think that changed. I don't think we got first, he was first choice at OC or DC or wide receiver coach. I don't know about the other guys. The other guys came with him from Liberty. So it makes me think, okay, that's, that's who you want. Your tight end coach, your linebacker coach and so on and so forth. But, I think there were some concessions made, and that's what caused the change up. From no, I'm going to call plays. To no, he's he's going to call plays.
2: So do you, do you think that this new guy said, "Hey, I, I'm call I, I need to call plays"? Do you think that was a stipulation uh, I by know. the new OC?
0: I, I don't know to much say, about
2: Phil Montgomery, so I don't know. I don't say, I
0: don't know. I, I, that that that's a good question. I mean, this guy was a head coach, right? And I'm not quite sure if he was calling plays still as a head coach. So right, that's a good uh, question. I don't. I don't know what I, that. That is a. I don't know how that was negotiated or how that was discussed. I, I would imagine the more the more seasoned you are as a play caller and being a head coach, it's difficult to go from that to being an OC where you're not calling plays, right? Right. So there has to be some sort of a collaboration. But we'll. we'll no, no, no. We will we'll see. I'm. Cu- I am curious to see how this experiment goes and how much patience. Few Free ha- Free freeze has with Phil Mon- uh, Montgomery. So right. that's definitely something to keep an eye out on.